Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 35 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wa'il. So now, um, I want to start by saying, uh, again, if you have any questions, if you have any suggestions, if you have any, you know, uh, explanation that you want to, uh, you know, want to discuss or, you, you know, you're wondering about anything regarding the religion of islam please email me at delving into islam at gmail.com again delving into islam at gmail.com and inshallah i'll get back to you with the uh, right answer so um today's episode we're talking about the nullifiers of islam or what gets you out of islam or what takes you out of islam Right. What are the things that a Muslim would do that will make them no no longer Muslim? Uh, what the things that we do, and what are the rulings for that? There has to be some conditions, right? Not like you know, um, like there are conditions for you to become a non-Muslim after you do certain things. It's just not because, for example, ignorance. Uh, you can't you can't hold an ignorant or somebody who doesn't know what they're doing uh, accountable. For what they're doing and you say you're not a muslim anymore we'll talk all about that and 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 you know uh, how do we deal with with certain things but i would like to before i start this episode i would like to explain two very important points um, um because we will use them uh uh in in the throughout the 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 episode uh so i want people to understand exactly the Islamic point of view about these two things. Number one is the most important thing for a Muslim is his religion and Allah. Allah number one. And throughout Allah, you know, throughout being that Allah is the most important entity in your life, the religion becomes the most important practice or thing that you need to preserve uh, in your in our lives, right? So Allah comes first for every single Muslim. God is number one. And it makes sense. It makes absolute sense. God is the one who gave you life. It's I, it's not cliche. It's it literally, you're existing in this world because Allah created you and Allah allowed you to live up until this point. You know, you're existing in a house because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala giving you the wealth or giving you the mentality uh, the the brains to be able to conduct your work or to be able to get a job to get a career job or you know um a pro, a, you, you know like a, whatever the kind of profession that you're in this is all coming from Allah that your salary that you're getting paid is doesn't come from your boss you you know that right like it comes from Allah subhanahu wa taala through your boss you have to understand that you know everything is written by Allah your wealth. Your provision comes from Allah through people. You have to understand that very well. So hence, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most, is the most important entity in our lives. And no matter what, we cannot compromise this. So we cannot compromise uh, our relationship with Allah under any circumstances. We cannot compromise our religion uh, uh, under any circumstances. That's, you know, point number one. Point number two, which is a very controversial, not that controversial, but like it's controversial in, in certain Muslim communities, which is the definition of a disbeliever. What is a disbeliever? So, for example, for Muslims, anybody who's not a Muslim, anybody, any single human being who's not a Muslim is called a disbeliever. 
right? Is that really offensive? Is that a really harsh description? Not really, if you think about it. What is a disbeliever? Think about it. The definition of the word is someone. What is a disbeliever to you? A disbeliever to you is someone who does not believe in the same things that you believe in. There is no absolutely any offensive thing about it. There is no uh, any kind of like degrading or you know belittling. You just you're a disbeliever because you do not believe in what I believe in. It's just that's it. Case closed. Some people think the word disbeliever is so offensive to other people of faith or other faith or other people of you know uh, no religions or whatever disbeliever is someone who does not believe in what you believe in that's why disbeliever has to be a perspective it has to be i do not okay so for example muslims we believe that god is allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only god there is no other entity is worthy of worship than allah right that's our belief that's what we believe in firmly that's what we believe to be the truth, right? Now, anybody else, a Christian, uh, a Jew, Hindu, uh, Buddhist, whatever, atheist, agnostic, whatever, they don't believe in the same thing. They don't believe that Allah is the only one. They believe, for example, for Christians, they believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, uh, subhanallah wa ta'ala, that he has a son, uh, and uh, it's Jesus Christ. Whether Muslims believe that Jesus Christ is one of the finest prophets that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent to this world. We respect him immensely. We love him so much, but we do not think that he's the son of God, right? Um, because we believe simply that God has no companions in any of any type, no family, no parents, no wife, no children, no, no one. He's the only existing God in this world or, you know, in any, in existence basically, right? Now, Christians don't believe in that. They do not believe in what we believe in. So hence, to us Christians are disbelievers of, of what we believe in. That's not degrading. They just don't believe in our belief. You know, they don't believe in our faith. Faith. You know, it's just different. So we call them disbelievers. Same thing. We do not believe that Jesus Christ is a God. We do not believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Hence, we are disbelievers to them. They call us disbelievers because we simply do not believe in what they believe in. Agreed? Okay. Same thing for the Jews. Same thing for any other faith that doesn't believe in the other faith. Like Christians to Jews are disbelievers. Jews to Christians are disbelievers. It's just very simple. But some people think it's very offensive to call someone a disbeliever. But in reality, it's really the appropriate yet and very well respected um, uh, term that you call other people who do not believe in what you believe in. It's really that it's, it's not offensive in any way. Right. But I get it. The society culture, some, some cultures paint disbelievers as really uh, um, degrading thing. No, it's not. You just don't believe in what I believe in. You're a disbeliever to me because you do not believe in what I believe in. That doesn't make you a bad human being. Or does it make you a good human being? It's just we're different when it comes to religion, when it comes to belief, when it comes to who is God and, and, and what is God, we just don't share the same opinion. And that's how we live in this life. You know, as different, we have different beliefs and we get along hopefully just fine. Right. Okay. So these, these were the two points that I wanted to point out before I start 
um, today's topic because we will uh, uh, emphasize these uh, in the coming uh, you know points that we're going to discuss. Now let, let's just move on to uh, uh, basically then the the next point, which is getting out of Islam, becoming a non-Muslim makes you a disbeliever. That's that that was number one point that I wanted to point out because if you're not a Muslim, you don't believe in what I believe in, then you technically a disbeliever, right? It's again that simple. Okay, now how a Muslim should treat a non-Muslim. Right? How a Muslim should treat a non-Muslim, and and before I continue this, uh, some of the you know Islamophobes and 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 some of the you know ignorant Muslims themselves, they think a disbeliever and an infidel is the same thing. It's actually not. Again, a disbeliever is a very logical term that we are disbelievers to other faiths as well. Muslims are disbelievers to Christians. Muslims are disbelievers to Jews. I just wanted to point this out. Uh, you know, because I know there's a lot of confusion out there regarding this topic or this point. Now, how a Muslim should treat non-Muslims or disbelievers, whatever you want to call it, right? Those who don't believe in Islam to be the true religion. Well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually tells us how to treat them. And here's some, you know, uh, uh, some insight to those who think Muslims are violent towards non-Muslim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in, in, a, in, in, a, in, a, in a chapter called Al-Mumtahina, verse number 8, he said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala simply says, Allah does not tell you, does not forbid you from being good and kind to the non-Muslims who treat you nicely. Who treat you good, who are normal with you. Be good to them. Look, look, look. Be good to them. Be kind to them because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves those who are kind. So technically, Allah is telling us to be kind to non-Muslims as long as they're not um, aggressive towards us, as long as they're not fighting us in our religion, right? And say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, hey, fighting you in your religion. Because you could have other problems with a non-Muslim, work problems, you know, uh, financial problems, whatever. This has nothing to do with the religion, right? But if somebody's fighting you in your own religion, try to paint you as a terrorist or as because of your religion, then you could fight them properly, properly using whatever media platform, using the civilized manners as, uh, I mean, uh, unless unless you're in a battlefield, then yeah, you can fight them, actually physically fight them. But other than that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells you, do not fight or be bad or be uh, uh, mean to those, who, to the non-Muslims who are good to you or are normal to you. Be actually good to them and kind to them and show them the true meaning of Islam. Inna allaha yuhibbul muqasateen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves he says it in the Quran, loves those who are kind to non-Muslims and other people, Muslims and non-Muslims alike. Okay? Because again, like we said, the, the, we have two categories, two types of non-Muslims. Those who are good to you and, 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 and nice and, and, and normal to you. you don't, they don't have to be good to you. Those who are normal to you, who are nice to you, and those who want to fight you because you are a Muslim, just for the fact that you're a Muslim. So you have to treat these two, and no other religion, by the way, will tell you, yeah, if somebody fights you in your religion, you know, be kind to them. No, still be kind to them, but show that you're not weak. 
it's 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 a term that we all know you know um worldwide it's like a a clan, a kind of global um you know understanding of the matter now another thing that people will find interesting you cannot break a covenant that you had with a non-muslim well whether again my what i'm saying is applies on muslims but i'm trying to emphasize the non-muslim part if you have a covenant with a non-muslim you cannot break it what does that mean it means in in for example in today's world when you have muslims who are entering a non-muslim country a western country right whether it's visa green card citizenship however it's a covenant once you get a stamp to walk into this country you're getting this is a covenant this is like a contract that you going to be peaceful remain peace and observe peace when you go into this country that's basically what it is in exchange of like uh, if you're coming for like tourism or whatever you're having a good time or if you're working there having a green card or whatever it's a covenant and a muslim has to not should you must as a muslim respect the covenant between you as a muslim and any non-muslim entity whether it's a non-Muslim government, whether it's a non-Muslim person, whether it's a non-Muslim company, whatever, you you have to maintain the covenant. This is a must. Like our Prophet وسلم, says in an authentic hadith, The interpretation of what the Prophet وسلم, said in this hadith, he says, those of you, if someone, if a Muslim bro- breaks a treaty with a Muslim or a non-Muslim, now breaks a treaty with anyone in general, with an, especially with a non-Muslim because this is the image of Muslims now, and you know they, they oppress them, they do anything bad to them, they, they try to, look, look what the Prophet says, I will testify against that Muslim who breaks the treaty on the day of judgment. Can you imagine this? In the court of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because we have some ignorant Muslims under the notion of, oh, if you're like a non-Muslim, I could, you know, steal from you. If you're a non-Muslim, you know, I could fool you in in some sort of a trade or whatever. If you're a non-Muslim, you deserve anything. This is un like utterly wrong. This is utterly wrong. This is incredibly wrong. And you will be punished for thinking like that because basically you're disobeying the commands of the Prophet ﷺ when he said that he's going to testify against that Muslim who does any of those things to a non-Muslim. Or a Muslim. Like, it's the same thing. You want to you wanna hear something worse? You want to hear something worse? Okay, the Prophet ﷺ says in another hadith, مَنْ قَتَلَ مُعَاهِدًا لَمْ let me explain to you this. Whoever kills someone that you have a covenant with. Now, again, for those who think Muslims are okay with being with the whole terrorist uh, uh, incidents that are happening or that used to happen, um, a Muslim, when they enter any country, a non-Muslim country, and they have a covenant with this country, or when a, when a Muslim comes into a Muslim country, it's a, when a non-Muslim comes into a Muslim country, same thing, it's a covenant. This like stamp, this whatever, it's a covenant, and it goes both ways. If you kill someone that you have a covenant with, you will never smell the smell of paradise. And the Prophet ﷺ emphasizes, and the smell of paradise, actually, you could smell it, uh, 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 um, 
from a 40, uh, 40 years walk or d- distance or so like it, it, a 40 years journey, meaning um, you have to be 40 years away from Jannah and you're still going to smell it. You can smell Jannah. That's how crazy the, the smell of Jannah is. You could be 40 years journey away from Jannah, 40 years journey away from Jannah. Uh, let me let me give it to you when when because I know that the metaphors in, in, in from the hadith could be really confusing. Let's say that you're going into a restaurant, right, and you smell the steak that they're 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 cooking or they're making. So you could, if you're like a, a one minute away, a walk from the restaurant, one minute away, so you could say t- t- to yourself, "Oh, I can smell the food um, while I'm one minute away." Or one minute journey from the restaurant. I'm one minute away from the restaurant. So the Prophet tells us the same thing. The smell of Jannah, the beautiful smell of Jannah. You could smell it when you're 40 years away from Jannah. 40 years journey away from Jannah. Same thing if you're one minute journey away from whatever the restaurant that you're going to. But this time it's 40 years away from Jannah. So subhanAllah. So guess what? This beautiful, big, incredible smell. The Muslim who kills someone, who kills a non-Muslim, who has a covenant with, that Muslim will never smell this Jannah again. That means he's going to go to hellfire. And like we said, we said the the, the, the covenant is something like a visa or, or a green card or a citizenship, whatever you want to call it. So as a Muslim, you must honor this covenant now i didn't get to the nullifiers of islam yet we're still talking in general about uh, the concept of being a muslim and uh, the concept of a disbeliever you know so we're giving just an introduction to the topic right a muslim can never be a traitor no matter what a muslim can never be a traitor whether to a Muslim country or to a non-Muslim country. If you're a citizen of, 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 of a non-Muslim country, you have to abide by the rules. You have to respect the rules. You have to abide by the rules within the place you live in. If you're visiting, you still have to abide by the rules. If you're going for business, no matter what, a Muslim does not equal a traitor. These two words cannot be uh, combined together in one person. You have to understand that. Okay. Now, with that being said, let's now discuss what could take you out of Islam. What could you possibly do that you're a Muslim, someone who's a Muslim, and once you do that thing, you're not a Muslim anymore. Well, before I tell you the the, the main points, which is the stuff that you do that will take you out of Islam or get you out of Islam, you must understand this. Number one, there are conditions. Uh, and, and the number one condition for you to become a non-Muslim based on what you the, these things is that you have the knowledge. If you have the knowledge of what you're doing, if you have the knowledge of what you're doing, and if you have the knowledge that this will take you out of Islam, yet you still do it, then you're not a Muslim anymore. You have to understand that. If you have the knowledge... That you won't become a Muslim once you do X or A or B and you still do it, then you're not a Muslim anymore. You have to understand. That's number one. Number two is if you're an ignorant in general when it comes to the religion, still, 
Allah does not hold you accountable for that. You have to understand this. Okay. Now, let's talk about just a summary, like a list of the things that you could do. And uh, some of them will sound really off, but you have to understand the context. And this is why I'm, what I'm here to explain. Number one is shirk. We talked about shirk in many episodes. Shirk is what is associating someone with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you associate someone with Allah in terms of worship, in terms of calling Allah or God, you're not a Muslim anymore. That's it. Once you commit shirk, you're not a Muslim. That's number one. Number two, taking intermediaries between you and Allah. Let's say that you acknowledge that Allah is one. Let's say that you acknowledge that Allah is one. There's no multiple gods. There's no trinity, whatever. It's Allah and Allah alone. Great. But you use someone between you or something like idols, for example, or uh, people between you and Allah. You say that in order for me to get to Allah, I have to go through that person or through the idol, whatever. That's what all paganism actually was about. Like, do, do you think the people in, in Quraysh, the tribe of the Prophet Wasallam, the, the pagans, the disbelievers then, do you think they didn't recognize that Allah is one? وَإِنْ سَأَلْتَهُمْ مَنْ خَلَقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضَ لَيَقُولُنَّ اللَّهِ If you ask them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about the pagans and the, the enemies of the Prophet So Allah is telling us in the Quran, if you ask them who created the heavens and the earth, they will say Allah, Allah alone, Allah is one. Okay, so why they're pagans? Why they were worshipping idols then? I mean, if they know Allah is one, that, that doesn't make sense. Well, because... They used the idols to get to Allah. They actually used to say what? They used to say we're too sinful to pray to Allah directly. Because we're too sinful, we're going to worship and we're going to complain to the idols. We're going to tell them our problems. We're going to, uh, uh, what's the word? Confess our, our sins and whatever to the idols. And then the idols could get to Allah and they're going to work it out between them. We're out of the picture now. This is literally taking intermediaries between you and Allah. And I think in, 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 in Christianity, there are also uh, parts of Christianity when you have to go confess to a priest and you can't just ask, Allah, ask God or repent to God directly. You have to actually go and confess and tell the priest your worst secrets or your worst sins or whatever. That doesn't work in Islam. It's you and Allah and that's it. There's no one in, in the middle. Even the Prophet ﷺ was never in the middle. Just to let you know. You don't worship something else or you don't, Praise someone to intercede to um, to like repent on your behalf to Allah or to ask Allah for stuff on your behalf. That doesn't make sense. Allah told you it's an open communication between you and me. What better? What what you know? What more do you want? So putting something and idolizing it in the middle between you and Allah, uh, ba basically putting an intermediary between you and Allah, that takes you out of the fold of Islam. Again, we have to understand the rules. You must know that these things could take you out of the fold of Islam. You must know that these things are, um, are forbidden for you to actually not to become a Muslim. Islam is a very logical religion, like I said. It's not a tight religion. Islam doesn't um, hold you, Allah doesn't hold you accountable through Islam, uh, when you are ignorant of what you're doing. <clears throat> now, another thing is making fun of any part of the religion. 
making fun of any part of the religion. Some people make jokes about Islam, and we're talking about Muslims here. By the way, this applies on Muslims. Everything I'm about to say applies because, I mean, nullifiers of Islam, you have to be a Muslim, you know, to get out of Islam, right? So making fun of the religion, and unfortunately, I've been in, in settings where people would say a joke, and it's a religious joke, and just to make fun of the religion. You cannot under any, even jokingly, joke about anything else. Just don't joke about the religion. Don't make fun of the rulings of Islam. Don't make fun of Allah. Don't make fun of the Prophet Don't make fun of anything. Don't. It's not worth it. <laughs> you know. So this is the third one. The fourth one is actually, believe it or not, I hear it about to get into like a little bit of a mystical element, but actually performing black magic. So some of you will be like, what? Black magic exists? Absolutely 100% black magic exists. Black magic is basically con contacting the jinn and to contact in order for you to contact them for, for them to do something uh, for you, you have to disbelieve in Allah. That means you have to become a non-Muslim. So number four is contacting the jinn or performing black magic. Same, same thing. Number five is not believing that disbelievers are actually disbelievers. That's one of the, the reasons why I wanted to describe or um, uh, explain the term disbelievers. So you, and I, I promise you, I've been in a lot of settings where someone will say, well, yeah, where a lot of people, you know, those disbelievers, uh, uh, a lot of people who are disbelievers, you know, they need to know more about Islam, whatever. And then some other Muslims will say, don't call them disbelievers. Don't ever call them. It's offensive and you shouldn't do that. You're saying don't call anybody who's not a Muslim, anybody, a disbeliever is actually, get, it gets you out of Islam. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala constantly called them disbelievers in the Quran. They're disbelievers. Not an offensive thing. They just don't believe in him and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So for you to come and say, no, you can't call them, that means you're defying Allah because Allah called them that. So for you to say, no, that doesn't mean go call everybody. Like you see people who are not Muslim, hey, disbeliever, what's up? Hey, good morning, disbeliever. Hey, hey, good afternoon, disbeliever. How was your day, disbeliever? That's not what Islam tells you to do. That's absolutely the wrong way to approach. should be, like I said, Islam tells you to be extremely nice with non-Muslims who are not fighting you in your religion. That doesn't mean go and tell them disbelievers, but all you have to do, do not deny the fact that they are disbelievers, and that's all. Don't negate the fact that, because Allah said it in the Quran multiple times. Those who say, uh, uh, that uh, Jesus Christ is Allah, is God, have disbelieved. It's very simple. They disbelieved in me. In that I am the only one. They have disbelieved in Islam, in my message. Simple. It's There's nothing offensive about it. Because to them, again, we are disbelievers. We do not believe that Jesus Christ is God. Hence, we are disbelievers in what they believe in. You know? So that's number five. Number six is hating something that the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa told us to do. Hating it. You can't hate anything because it's all coming from Allah through the messenger. So for you to hate something that the messenger told us to do is basically you're hating something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have commanded us to do. 
Do you understand? You can't hate anything that the Prophet ﷺ told us to do. Because you can say, oh, I'll do whatever it's mentioned in the Quran. But when it comes to Sunnah, yeah, I don't want it. I hate it. I hate it. When you hate it. Now, there's a di- the difference between you don't want to do something because it's too much. Like you don't want to pray the extra prayer or the bonus prayers. That's fine. It's not rec- It's not mandatory. But you're hating what the Prophet ﷺ told us to do is a big deal. It takes you out of Islam. Also believing that there is a better guidance out there than Islam. Believing that there is a better guidance out there than Islam. <laughs> well, why are you a Muslim then? Then you shouldn't be a Muslim. Right? Also supporting non-Muslim against Muslims. That's a, a big deal. When you support, when you, for example, that's why uh, going... Uh, Fighting in a non in a non Muslim army against Muslims and killing Muslims is takes you out of Islam. Now takes you out of Islam if you know that this takes you out of Islam. You cannot do this. You can't. You're killing Muslims. Do you understand? You're killing your brothers and sisters in Islam. Those who said La ilaha illallah for what reason? For political reason? For what kind of reason? It's not worth it. Because it takes you out of Islam. And legalizing something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have, uh, has forbid. When Allah says t- s- something haram, and you say, no, 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 it's halal. <laughs> well, who are you defying? You're coming up with your own halal and haram. You're not a Muslim anymore. So it's, it's, it, this is like a summary or a, a, a more of an explanation. I'm, I'm going to get into details, inshallah. It's, I think this is definitely going to be more than one episode. But I think it's very interesting to know what takes you out of Islam? What gets you out of Islam? What makes you not a Muslim anymore? You know? Another thing is someone who does not want to learn about Islam. Someone who doesn't want to learn about Islam. Doesn't want to. Not being lazy. Not didn't learn. Who does not want to on purpose to learn about Islam. Who is a Muslim? Again, these, all, these things all apply on Muslims. Now, a general rule Again, I'm going to repeat this. Do not point at someone specific and say they're not Muslims. They're kafirs. Kafir means disbelievers. I'm talking about a Muslim. You do not point at a Muslim and say, oh, they did this. So they're khalas. That's it. They're not Muslims anymore. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not put you on this earth to look at people and say, who's going to go where? Hellfire or paradise? It's not your business. It's not your decision. It's not your place. Allah is the only one who decides. Even when the Prophet ﷺ, remember? Guys, those of you who know Islamic history, in the battle of Uhud, in the battle of Uhud, one of the greatest battles, and there was a lot of, uh, some consider, most people considered it was a defeat against the Muslims. When the Prophet ﷺ was hit by two arrows in the cheeks, one arrow in every cheek, and then, you know, the, the arrows were removed or whatever, he made dua, he made a supplication against those who attacked him. They were not Muslims, right? They were disbelievers, right? Okay. What was the dua? May they never be blessed or forgiven again. Guess what? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed a verse in the Quran responding to that prayer or that dua that the Prophet said. And he says what? لَيْسَ لَكَ مِنَ الْأَمْرِ شَيْءٍ This is not of your business. This is the Prophet wasallam, the most beloved human being to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He rebuked him and he said, this is none of, you don't tell me who do I put in hellfire, who do I forgive and who do I not forgive. 
And then Allah acknowledges Allah was not like you know angry at the Prophet. He was just teaching him the manners of how to become a Muslim. So he leads by example. We follow him when it comes. So we do not make dua like the Prophet against anybody. Because guess what? Those people who attacked the Prophet, they actually converted, they reverted to Islam. They became one of the best companions. Khalid ibn al-Walid was one of them. His nickname was the Sword of Allah. The companions, the Prophet called him the Sword of Allah, Sayfullah. He was one of the attackers who attacked the Prophet at the beginning. And he became a great Muslim and a great benefit to the Islamic community back then. You don't know how life is going to go, how will people end up being. You don't know. So it's none of your business to say where they're going to go, whether it's hellfire or paradise. Just it's stay humble. Focus on yourself. Focus on your family. That's all you should care about. All right. Now, we talked about the nullifiers of Islam and, and, and how could you leave Islam, right? You know the fastest way to leave Islam, the fastest way to get out of Islam is to call some Muslim a non-Muslim. Is to say that a Muslim is a disbeliever, that they left Islam. This is the fastest way for you to actually be a non-Muslim yourself. How? The Prophet ﷺ said in a hadith, when you call someone, when you're a Muslim and you're calling another Muslim a kafir or a disbeliever, one of you at this point is a disbeliever for sure. What does that mean? Well, let's say I call one of my friends, you know what? He's a disbeliever. He did something and I think he's a kafir. That's it. He's a disbeliever. Now, again, we're talking, we're saying disbeliever is not an offensive word, but it just, it's really significant because it makes you a non-Muslim anymore. So it's a big deal, right? Okay. The Prophet says, once I make that statement about my friend, one of us at this point is a disbeliever. Either it's my friend because he actually did some action that made him a disbeliever, or it's me in case of my friend was actually not a disbeliever. So if my friend was, I, I misread what he did, or he didn't do anything, or he did not qualify to be a disbeliever, then at this point I'm a disbeliever because I claimed that my Muslim friend is a disbeliever. But if he's actually qualifies to be a disbeliever, then at this point he is. So one of us is. If I'm wrong, I am. And I should repent, and I should actually take the shahada all over again and become a Muslim again. But if he was, then that's his problem, and he should, you know, well, fix it in the proper way. It's that simple. Do not judge people. That's what the Prophet is teaching us. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching us as well. Now, uh, let's also another point is that you are a Muslim as long as you appear to be a Muslim. Meaning what? As Muslims, we actually have to judge based on the external actions. I do not know the internal. I do not know what's in your heart for me to call you a non-Muslim. As a Muslim, you have to judge based on what you see because you do not know what's in the heart. That's, again, it shows, it, it, it creates a sense of trust in the community, in the world. Somebody pretending, you think they're pretending to be a Muslim, you have to call them a Muslim. Because if you have no evidence, then yeah, you can't. Okay, great. And I'll tell you a story, a beautiful story. One of the companions, there was a battle going on. 
there was a battle happening, and then they were got ambu- am- am- uh, the Prophet was not with them, but they were ambushed, right? And when they were ambushed, one 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 of the uh, the enemy uh, soldiers was like killed a lot of the Muslims. So this companion went after him, chased him, and then he cornered him by a tree or like some sort of a place. He was cornered, so the guy to get out of the the situation, he said, "Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashhadu Muhammad Rasulullah." Hey, hey, hey! I'm a Muslim. I just took my shahada. Don't kill me. But the companion killed him anyway. And then he went to the Prophet ﷺ and told him what happened. And the companion narrates, this is actually the narration coming from the companion himself. The Prophet ﷺ got so angry that his face turned so red that it was never like this ever before. He got incredibly frustrated and angry. And he literally told him what? Look at what the Prophet ﷺ told him. You killed him? When he said, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah, you killed him when he took the testimony of faith, when he said it. He said it three times. You killed him when he said, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, three times. And this is actually uh, emphasizes how uh, serious the matter is. The Prophet, when there is something really serious, he said he used to say it three times while he was angry. And then the Prophet says, I was not sent. To dig up people's hearts, to know what's in their heart or what's in their intention. I do not know that. I'm a human being at the end of the day. Only Allah does. How dare you kill him? Yes, the situation showed that the guy just did this to save his own life. But he became a Muslim. You literally killed a Muslim. Whether he meant it or not, you don't know that. You can't. Uh, you can't act in this world based on assumptions or based on you know what's in other people's intentions because Allah didn't create you to know what people's intentions are. As a Muslim, you have to... That doesn't mean that you should be naive or you should be stupid. No, you should be very sharp, but at the same time, you don't judge based on someone's intention because you just simply don't know it. And the companion felt so regretful and felt so ashamed of what he did that he said, I wish that I was not a Muslim so I can retake my shahada and, you know, clear my um, my slate again. Because we know that non-Muslims who become Muslims, they have a clean slate once they take the shahada. That's how serious uh, these things are. Now, we also said that you cannot uh, say that a disbeliever is... Uh, I'm, I'm a person, a Muslim is a disbeliever unless you 100% verify that they are committing what they made them disbelievers and they knew that they were going to be disbelievers. You have to verify this. Other than that, you can just say this is an act of disbelief. Or you could say whoever commits this is a disbeliever. But you cannot say X is a disbeliever. This so-and-so is a disbeliever. You can't say that. Period. Because again, we said, if you claim that, then one of you at this point is the disbeliever. Only scholars have to have the right to make that decision. I can't call a group of people disbelievers unless they're obvious, they don't believe in Islam. That's period. But I can't call Muslims as disbelievers unless a scholar calls them a disbeliever. It has to come from a scholar, a person with knowledge, someone with degrees and someone with stuff in, in, in when it comes to Islamic science. Me, uh, if somebody does something in front of me, I don't have the full context. I call them a disbeliever. Guess what? I could be the at this point, I could be a disbeliever for just calling them this. So be very careful. It's not our right to do so. 
Or you cannot call someone to be a disbeliever unless their actions are verified by Quran and Sunnah. Or, you know, the general consensus that it's an act of disbelief. So on the day of judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will call all the non-Muslim nations and he will call the Muslims. And the Muslims will be witnesses on the non-Muslims. So we as Muslims, inshallah, will die as Muslims, will be called as witnesses in Allah's court against non-Muslims. Why? We're going to bring the Quran and the Sunnah and we're going to say, yeah, Allah said you have to believe. Allah said, if you don't believe to me, if you don't believe in me, this is this is gonna happen. We're gonna have the Quran and the Sunnah as our evidence and proof, you know, when we are witnesses against those who disbelieved in Allah or who chose to take a different path. We're gonna use the Quran and Sunnah. That's the importance of Quran and Sunnah. This is actually I don't want to get into detail of that scene from the day of judgment, but this is one of the things that will happen will be testifying against non-Muslims who received the message, but yet they rejected it. Now, the one, the, another point is the one who commits an act of disbelief must have two things while doing the act for them to become disbelievers, which is knowledge and intention. You must have the knowledge of what you're doing. You know exactly what you're doing. You know how dangerous it is or how big it is. And you must have the intention of doing it because some people do stuff unintentionally. So inshallah, we'll talk about the nullifiers in, I'm going to start, this I told you it's a big topic, but I think it's really critical. And inshallah, there will be a lot of things that will blow your mind. Certain things that could make a Muslim a non-Muslim, it's mind-blowing. It's very, very, very important knowledge, inshallah. And inshallah, uh, and it's, you know, next the next episode, we will dive deeper into, um, you know, the points that I gloss over it like the the shirk and, and you know like making fun of the religion all these things we're going to talk about them in detail and we're going to have proofs inshallah and may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us keep, uh, keeps us on the path of islam and uh guide those who are interested in islam and who are sincere and have the right intention um thank you so much for listening wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh